Oscar Sala was the guy who created the bird's voices for Hitchcock's birds. So Hitchcock's birds are no natural birds because they would sound much too nice for the horror scenery. The birds have been created artificially by the help of the Tarsonium. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the Focus Right Pro podcast. This is a mostly bi-monthly show where we dive into the cutting-edge technology behind today's professional audio products. My name is Dan Hughley and I'm the U.S. Marketing Manager for Focus Right and Focus Right Pro. Today's episode was recorded live at the AES show in New York. Ted and I are joined by Nadia Veliskovitz, who is an expert in historical audio restoration and is the 2019 president of the Audio Engineering Society. We're going to discuss her early career experience of recording everything from trash metal to classical music, why it is important to become and stay engaged with the Audio Engineering Society, the transfer and safeguarding of Oscar Sala's collection of audio, and a whole lot more. Hi Nadia, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Hi Dan, it's uh, my real pleasure to be here and to be with you, and I'm looking forward to your questions. Oh great, thank you. Um, And we have Ted here as well. Um, but first, Nadia, let's uh, let's talk about how you got started with audio and, and what you brought you into working with audio. Well, I started uh, to study ethnomusicology and audio engineering in Vienna. And, uh, well, I thought I should immediately, after my audio engineering study, I should immediately go into the job because otherwise I would forget everything. So I had the great chance to get a job in the Vienna uh, Concert House studio, with which at that time was the biggest studio in Austria. So we had space to record large orchestras, and this gave me a real good chance. So I had uh, real musicians on a daily basis in the studio. So we were recording advertising jingles and had drums, uh, physically played drums right. yeah, <laughs> by yeah. musicians sure. and uh, my daily job was making out of uh, six violins and a cello a big orchestra <laughs> so wow. let it sound like that that's great <laughs> practice it. it's great training yeah, wow i liked it very much and we did a lot of productions for um uh, the the broadcasting station the, the local ones um and I recorded everything, and I did everything from soldering the cables oh, good. to nice. uh, to aligning the machines, to brewing the coffee, to um, setting up for the recordings, then doing the recordings, uh, punching in and punching out a million times in the analog machines, and and then uh, uh, finishing the produ- mixing the production. Finishing, editing, mastering, everything until the ready product. That's great training. Wow. Yeah. It, it was a great training and it, uh, it showed me how the many facets of this job. And uh, I also had the chance to dig into life a little bit, life, life sound. And yeah, so I think I pretty well covered a lot of these uh, technologies from that time, end of the 80s, beginning of 90s. And then uh, going slowly into digital. So I had a very great experience by being the first person in Europe to handle a digital uh, dash machine, a 24-track machine. Oh, really? Nice. uh, Which was shipped to Vienna for the recording of an HD TV production as early as the late 1980s. This was fascinating. The machine come in at 8 o'clock in the morning and at 9 o'clock we had to press the record button. So I plugged in and I sat with the manual and I found the... Uh, uh, English part in the Japanese. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So it was a Sony machine, probably. It was a Sony yeah, machine, yeah. a Dash machine, sure, 24 yeah. track. This yeah. was a great experience, and I had the chance to record with 
many, many uh, all facets, from trash metal to classical music. And uh, my first uh, uh, touch with AES was when my, my professor from ethnomusicology, he told me, you have to engage in AES and you have to be a member of AES. And then I went there and I said, okay, let's have a look what they're doing. And I found out it's really exciting. And later I, I specialized in audio archiving. I finished my studies on ethnomusicology and then I ended up in the archive. And I was a little bit afraid because if you think of archiving, it is rather boring. The word archiving reminds you of a, a piece of paper, a file that you put somewhere in a, in a shelf and number it. And so I thought, oh God. But I was engaged for restoring historical audio recordings for digital restoration. It was uh, the beginning of digital uh, technology. And, um, you know, the studio scene was a little bit going down in Vienna at the time because digital technology has offered much uh, more individual studio growth. So you could, it was cheaper. You could buy all these uh, eight-channel machines and stack them up to whatever. And uh, so I said, okay, eventually it's the right time to change. And I changed and I started with the clicking and the crackling historical files. And then the longer I was digging into the signal, I asked myself, why do I have to do so much? Can I improve the transfer eventually? And how far should I get, go in digital restoration? How should it sound? And I ended up in the Phonogrammarchiv of the Austrian Academy of Sciences, which is a research archive. That means that we are collecting materials that are only produced for research reasons. So a, a person going to the field, recording the music of a special country, a culture, whatever, recording language, recording, field recording. And with a scientific background, I want to do research on language and I need to know how this sounds, I need to analyze, I need to do spectral analysis or whatever. So we're collecting only these materials, no commercial. Working with such sensitive material, which is unique, it needs a certain awareness about the value, about the history, about co context of uh, production, and it's also involved with rights management and with all the handling of that. It's, it's a very wide field. But it's a very important field, I think. Archiving is so underrated. It is and, underrated. You know, there's so much audio material out there, older audio material that we're going to lose if we don't, like, and lose quickly if we don't have a better process of and due diligence and in archiving these things. Yeah, it's very important. Yeah, there's uh, there's there's a whole skill, I'm sure, to the archiving process. And and, and I'm assuming you were you were doing a lot of uh, tape re restoration. Is that is that correct? Yes, there are, there are a lot of problems with historical materials, and I'm transferring every everything that comes along. Our archive is the oldest archive worldwide. It has been founded 1899. So we have all kinds of formats in our holdings, and starting from wax cylinders wax discs we have recorded on this from all kind of disc media all kind of tape media so I'm dealing with all of that and I have to transfer optimize transfer and I'm seeking the optimized uh, signal retrieval to get out the best as a basis for digital restoration in a second step if it's necessary and there's something about uh, I think you touched on this uh, briefly uh, but you want to keep the same character of that original time when that was recorded. So you, you mentioned you know you're respecting 
the medium that you're that you're uh, archiving, right? So you know, if something you don't want to clean it up too much, but you want to clean it up enough so it's uh, understandable and, and intelligible. Correct? Is that is that mostly the goal to to respect the source as well? First of all, uh, our basic transfer is is a preservation transfer. You have a preservation master which stays untouched. It's just uh, the item as it is. And because the reason is that the tools are improving so quickly. So, and my taste also changed. And my ears changed. So my, my actual uh, highest frequency retrieval is less than it was 20 years before. So, so noise has reduced uh, by nature. <laughs> so I don't need a noise or a filter anymore. I have it in my brain already. How have the tools changed um, from when you first started until, until now? The main thing that has really changed is how deep you can go into the signal without creating additional artifacts. So this has been improved very, very much. I can say that every some years I, I would like to do my restorations again. So we, we create a preservation file and out of that preservation file we create restored versions if we want to publish or if we want to put it on our website so that the, the sound character, well, there are things, there are steps you must do or you should do and there are steps you can do and then you have the open field of creativity in the restoration. So we basically start with the things that has have to be done is like for example if the stylus of a jumps because you are retrie uh, retrieving the signal of a broken disc then you, you certainly have to edit the pieces together and make it a full playable item. But then the next step is how to treat big clicks and so this is all unwanted signal and you can remove that without any aesthetic or ethical discussion. But as soon as you have finished this step, the question is now how should it sound? And then you open up a very wide field of aesthetical discussion. Should it sound as people at the time of recording have uh, been able to hear it? Or do you want to retrieve the original source which is uh, and the original sound, which is most probably not possible? It hasn't been the attention of the recording and things like that. So this is opens a very wide field. And you mentioned creativity in there, and that's something like archive and uh, restoration. Creativity almost seems like it, it doesn't have a place there. But can you go a little bit more into the creative aspect of the restoration? Certainly. Because there is something which is very important to know. If you publish a restored version, it gets a new ISRC code, which means this is a newly released item. So it's not the original or, uh, recording anymore. It's an, a recording that has been overworked in a way. And now you can decide how you want to present the content, especially with very old things, but also with new ones. In, in newer ones, the quality is already so high that uh, you only want to improve quality to the actual image in industry, in the sound recording industry. The sound recording industry creates a, a sound image which is now modern, but 10 years before it was not that transparent, it was not whatever. Yeah, so, uh, and you now shape this item you have in your hands and want to reach somebody. And this is, I think, this is not only a static process uh, which uh, needs a lot of things to be done, steps to be done. It's also a, a little bit of creative side because you, you, you can influence the product you would want to present. How much of the original sound of the medium would you like to have in your restoration? Would you like to... Uh, 
make people aware that this is historic or would you like to give them the feeling that it's like a new recording? There have been very interesting approaches. Uh, there is a one CD has been published in the year 2000 already. It's called Caruso 2000. And it takes the voice of Caruso, extracts it from, from the original cylinder recording. It was an original cylinder, extracts the voice, and the voice is completely cleaned up. And then the uh, orchestra was recorded with actual technology. A new orchestra re uh, was recorded to make this, the, the, the voice of uh, Caruso uh, take it over to today's technology. Yeah, to make it sound as if it was recorded recently. Yeah, this is really incredible. With all of the experience, it seems like you're a pioneer in what you do, uh, or at least you've been doing it a, a really long time, and you're 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 a go-to person for this. Um, do you have any projects um, we would know about that you've done? That uh, anything really exciting that you're very proud of that you've done in particular, um, or, or does anything stand out to you? There are some very very good project. Uh, one of these is uh, the transfer of the collection Oscar Sala, the transfer, the safeguarding of the collection Oscar Sala. Oscar Sala was a, a pioneer of electronic music and he has developed and further developed together with Friedrich Trautwein the so-called uh, the, the so Trautonium, which was a predecessor of the synthesizer, an electronic music instrument. And he has a huge collection of film sound materials, which is held and stored at the uh, Deutsches Museum, uh, German Museum in Munich. And Oskar Sala was the guy who created the birds' voices for Hitchcock's birds. So Hitchcock's birds are no natural birds because they would sound much too nice for the horror scenery. The birds have been created artificially by the help of the Chardonium. And this the transfer and the preparation for publication and for uh, access of this collection was such a great challenge because Oscar Sala did not own, he was a one-person studio, he was a film producer working for very professional productions and uh, he modified the analog tapes in a way which is absolutely incredible. So he took handwritten notes on the backside of the tape and uh, he, he edited and he manipulated the layer side of the tape physically. So this was so exciting. So we decided to find a way to keep all this metadata on the tape itself by videographic documentation. So we, we used a high-speed camera or a very high-resolution camera to film the tape on playback on the playback process and to capture all his metadata along with the audio file. That's amazing. So how do people see and hear this kind of project? They, they are able to access uh, the collection at the Deutsches Museum and there's a lot of research ongoing with these materials. People are very interested and there has been a symposium uh, about the collection and about Oscar Sala. So uh, I think uh, and there is also an exhibition at the Deutsche Museum where you can see his studio. His studio is rebuilt, his instruments are rebuilt, and uh, the collection is accessible via computer in the exhibition, so you can uh, find items and you can listen to that. And I think it's a very, uh, it is a unique way of preparing material and we were pioneering yeah. it. It'd be sense. interesting to hear some of those early instruments that he created recorded now, which I'm sure sound differently, obviously, right? 
than the when when he was capturing those instruments, the playback quality, the the recording technology that existed, probably sounded made those instruments sound a little different. I, I don't you know? think so because he has he has manipulated and prepared the tapes in a way in a way that they were compatible with professional studios. So if you take the recording and replay it correctly under standard conditions, then I think his, um, uh, his the sound he wanted to create is very well presented. That makes sense. Yeah, that's good. This is extremely interesting. I know. Um, <laughs> I, I, wanna, I, I feel like we could talk about this all day, but but I want to make sure that we cover um, what you're currently doing with AES as well. You are the, the current president of AES, and um, it, uh, you're, you're getting close to the, the end of your year. How, how has the, the year been for you so far? I really have to say I, I loved being in this position. It was so far it's a, a great challenge, but a great chance to develop so such a lot of things. So we had a, a, a big uh, change in our management structure due to the incoming uh, executive director, uh, Colleen Harper. And uh, she, she is not familiar with our industry because she's a manager, but uh, her long experience with uh, NGOs uh, uh, really made her the perfect person to join our team. And she is a very professional manager sorting out many things. And a big part of my uh, time as the president so far uh, has been spent in supporting her with my knowledge about Audio Engineering Society. I have a quite long time relationship to Audio Engineering Society. It started with 1992 when I was at the first convention in Vienna. And I served in many positions. I was facilities chair, facilities uh, uh, convention co-chair, conference co-chair program co-chair. I was four years uh, vice president Central Europe. Uh, I was engaged in the local se section and I still am. And uh, out of all these, I, I, I know very well the structure of uh, AS, have been serving long time on the boards. And I think I wanted to provide all this experience. And now we are at a stage that she fully understands how we are working. We are sorting out the puzzle. We are trying to improve, trying to serve even better the membership, the industry, trying to seek direct uh, communication. And my, my main goal for this presidency was to improve the three C's, I call it, which is uh, cooperation, coordination, communication. So uh, the, the bigger picture, bringing it together. Well, you've done a great job, I think, with the communication part. I think that was, yeah, that was always, uh, you, you've brought um, the membership. It's, it, it just feels like the membership is growing. It feels like it's a younger group that's coming in, uh, a more diverse group, and I, I think it's really important. Um, you know, and in the past, AES has been seen as a, a group of old uh, people, <laughs> old engineers, and which is fine, which is great. But I think, you know, we have to move it into the future, and you guys have done a great job at, at starting that, while still preserving the importance of the history of the society. I've noticed that as well. The the you know, the technology has changed. We we talked about that a little bit earlier with with another guest, um, and um, but. And, 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 and as Ted mentioned, it has gotten younger in here, it seems, and, and absolutely more diverse, which, which is refreshing, you know? It, it, and, and in a short time, it, it seems, it, there was a, a big change from the last 
even from the last year, it's it seems like a, I don't know, it seems like a happier and younger show here. And uh, so congratulations on, on your success in the last year. Um, I, I know I'm very pleased with how things are at this event, and and like Ted said, the communication has been incredible over over the last uh, over your presidency. Thank you very much. I have to say it's not only my uh, my effort; it's it's the effort of the whole team, the the convention organizing team. So we are all online because we we see that diversity and inclusion is so important, and it should cover everything, not only gender aspects. It should cover topics as well and including and it's about audio it's not about if i'm uh, female male or whatever uh, and it's not only about classical music or, or about anything it should be our industry should be covered in all facets and we are trying to improve this and also a little bit to to market it because we want to be the leading as, uh, association the leading society to do that to, to uh, go ahead and uh, welcoming everybody from from everywhere, from every different aspect, because uh, we benefit such a lot of that. We are not brewing our or cooking our own soup. We are uh, going moving ahead, and this is so important because industry changes such a lot. So audio is around now, everywhere in your mobile device, in your tools that will help you in daily assistance of your daily life. So. Audio is not only the classical audio industry anymore as it has been, it has widened up so much and we should try to bring these people together because at least when they need the same plug to connect, we, need that we, need a standard, we know that we need a standardization and uh, this is also something where we are leading in bringing together this and developing the standard so that people know it's an AES standard, we can use it, we must use it because it's standard. What does the future look like for AES uh, moving into the next several years? What, do, what are you looking forward to, uh, to seeing? What we are looking forward to achieve is even more broader involvement of membership and of industry, serving best possibly our membership, developing into wider, broader um, fields of covering what I have just outlined before, covering much more than the pure audio industry only, because if we stop at that point, uh, we we must shrink. Yeah? And I think that the real audio enthusiasts are too enthusiastic to, to stop being uh, in existence. They want to expand and they want to communicate. And I think one of our huge potential is the energy, enthusiasm, uh, all, all that uh, which drives audio. So it's, it's, it, audio is about feeling, because audio creates feeling. If you listen to sound, you, you can have, uh, you can relax, you can be happy. You, 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 it creates emotions, and these emotions are unique for our field, creating and dealing with emotions. And I think this is something uh, we should spread and this is something we should communicate and by networking and by intensifying uh, the listen, learn, connect uh, stream, I think uh, we will push forward uh, Audio Engineering Society to, to the real leading community where other integrated industries want to be and, and should be. I think the white papers, and as the years have gone on the last few years, 
you can see that in the in the in the presentations and the white papers that are being presented. They have definitely, as you say, spread out to be maybe non-traditional AES white papers. There are a lot of different technologies and ideas and people talking about the movement forward of uh, voice recognition type of software, the Alexis, the Siri, yeah, smart speakers. I mean, it's all, it's really spreading out. Yeah, audio is... Uh, even to like video games and things like that. You have podcasts that need high quality audio. Uh, it's not just all the genres of music, which are always constantly expanding, uh, which traditionally, when you think high quality audio, you think, I, I think music, but it's not that anymore. Um, everybody needs high quality audio from films to TV, and radio and broadcast and everything, everything in between. Um, smart speakers, the, the quality of those have vastly improved. You can buy an Atmos smart speaker now. Um, which is which is just it kind of blows my mind a little bit. And if you buy more than one, it sounds even better, and they they work together. and And that's just amazing that that all high quality audio and that's stuff that that um, the AES membership cooperates and works with together. And I think the more fields we bring together, the more we can expand because uh, in the in the previous years or, or so or even decades we did not think outside of our community but now that technology is changing so dramatically and so quickly we we see that audio is everywhere around uh, as you have outlined just before and, and we need to integrate it and bring these people in and bring their fresh aspects and ideas and innovations and de develop them further the, the creativity can be brought together um, you know creativity say from post-production bring that over to music and you might have a new idea for music and then the, you might have something on the other side for post-production that can be different. So it's, it's instead of keeping everything separate, everybody's kind of coming together now, which is, which is refreshing and, and it's great because it's, it kind of makes, it makes sense, you know, it's, it's kind of common sense, but uh, it took time to get to and here. I, and I think it's, it's now, it is the time. We are in a period uh, of time where, where we can shape the future and we, where we can decide we want to work together. I think that's a great place to, to wrap this up unless there's anything else that we've missed that you'd like to say. The only thing I want to say is that I want to thank the great team of AES and all the members, supporters, the industry, which is so so, so fascinating to, to and supportive and helps us to stay alive and to grow. Like, I, I wish we could talk to you all day because this has been very interesting and you have a lot of very interesting things to say. We appreciate your time and coming over here to visit with us today um, and thank you and, and the future looks great for AES. Thanks a lot. It was my pleasure and thanks a lot to Focusrite to give me the chance to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Focusrite Pro Podcast. This mostly bi-monthly show is produced and hosted by me, Dan Hughley, for Focusrite. Music is by Merlin. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Join our conversation on social media at Focusrite Pro. For more information, please visit our website at www.pro.focusrite.com.
tape is fragile. You know, it's hard drives are fragile as well, but tape is probably, I'd imagine, much more fragile and uh, and prone to things like humidity and weather and uh, you know things like that. Um, so. Uh, 